0: Welcome to the triathlete hour. This week's conversation has been a little while in the making. We're talking to the one, the only Andrew Starkowitz. Starkey, the popular athlete, was the first American to break eight hours in an Ironman and is known for his blistering bike splits. But maybe most importantly, he's also known for his openness and for always saying what he thinks. In December it was announced that Starkey had received a 13 month sanction from Iron Man for using a banned inhaler after getting pneumonia. Now much of our conversation today is understandably about the circumstances around his use of the prescribed inhaler and how the process worked or didn't for him. I would like to note that Iron Man has said they followed all rules and regulations laid out by the World Anti-Doping Agency and by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. We'll include some links in the show notes for more information and background on the case because it can get complicated. And stay tuned at the end for Iron Man's response. But I would also like to note that no one involved is disputing the basic facts of what happened. That Starkey got pneumonia, was prescribed an inhaler in order to recover from that illness, and then raced Iron Man Florida. No one appears to think or suggest that he was attempting to cheat. What is that question, rather, is if the letter or the spirit of the rules were broken. We'll let him explain in his own words after this short break. All right, this week we're talking to Andrew Starkowitz. Many people know him, love him, loud, right? That's what I feel like you're known as. And I heard uh, that you're also now getting into Xterra. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. So are we supposed to be like, yeah, yeah. keeping
0: an eye out for you this year at Xterra?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, right now the Xterra series is very limited. We're just like, I mean, all of our opportunities are very limited right now. And uh, But, uh, you know, I I, I, just, I got this inkling that uh, Xterra is going to be the thing in the next few years. <laughs> I think it's going to go back to its glory days that it was in the mid-2000s Okay. of uh, the thing to do. I think adventure racing is coming back. Or I know adventure racing is coming back, and I think is gonna be benefit from it. Okay, all right.
0: Yeah, I mean I've had my money on swim run for for a couple of years, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's 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 a it's a similar it's a similar concept of is that that adventure style racing, uh, for us endurance for us endurance athletes that uh, that love uh, triathlon.
0: Yeah, no, and I think it's people. I mean, I'm glad people are getting racing again. I know you've been racing again. You did challenge Miami, right, recently? Um, yep. Trying things out. So I feel like the big, the big thing we brought you on to talk about, the thing that you and I have been talking about. I called you back in December to ask you about this, and we're finally getting you on the podcast. So you were, and I'm, I'll lay out the details, and then you can tell me what I got wrong. But you were served a doping ban, like retroactively. And it was announced at the kind of end of 2020. And the way I understand it went down is you got pneumonia Kona in 2019, went to the doctor, like dropped out, went to the doctor, was given drugs for pneumonia, inhaler, all that. Uh, those drugs turned out to, I mean, they were on the WADA banned list, the anti-doping list. You applied for an exemption, which is standard practice. And for, you know, for Dr. uh medicine medications given to you by your doctor you raised iron man florida then did not have that exemption uh and was de- or was denied that exemption and then uh was given a initially like a four-year ban for for the 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 pneumonia drug right did i get all the Correct. details pretty much right there
1: um ballpark okay
0: so I think given like your background, obviously, you're kind of known for being very outspoken uh, against doping, very outspoken against what's known as a TUE, a therapeutic use exemption, these exemptions for drugs. A lot of people were very surprised to hear this news. Um, I guess we should start from the beginning. Why did you think you needed to take that drug? Why did you think you needed the exemption?
1: I mean, anybody who knows me knows that, I mean, I've raced, I've raced with stitches in my feet. I've raced with 105 fever, throwing up blood. I mean, I've, you show me a start line I raced. And uh, I mean, for me, just to be sick enough not to start a race, especially being a world championship, uh, I think those people who know me know I was very, very sick. I mean, I don't think I don't think I need to explain much beyond that.
0: <laughs> right. And so then you went to the doctor, and I think a lot of people think that when you go to the doctor, at least for pro athletes, like they just know what's on the band list and what isn't. But that's not true. Like doctors,
1: doctors don't know the banned list. No idea. Yeah. And us as athletes, I mean, they put the onus on the athletes. but right. I mean, us as athletes, we have no medical knowledge. I mean, I I have a degree in engineering and that, that has, I mean, you start reading off these different, what's, what's banned, what's not banned. Why as an athlete, you have no idea. So, uh, and you know, why this inhaler and not that inhaler. And so, I mean, I brought it up to my doctor and, uh, she said, this is the best, absolute best practice. And, uh, and i'm not i'm not gonna and so i filled out the paperwork because i'm not gonna jeopardize my health uh you know being as sick as i was
0: yeah no i get that and and for like and so the way it works is you looked it up you saw that it was on the list, and you apply like filled out the paperwork tell us about that paperwork just for people who don't understand for how the therapeutic use exemption process works you've said uh that a lot of pros it turns out don't really know exactly how it works
1: yeah um I mean, I found, I've, I've, as I've talked to other professionals, uh, it's very different in different countries. Okay. Um, in the United States here, um, they, ask, they say basically if you submit a TUE, a therapeutic use exemption, which I submitted the paperwork the day I was, the, the doctor actually faxed it after my appointment from her office the day I started taking it, which was October 15th. Okay. Um, it got denied. November eighth.
0: Okay, who denies it or this proves is, it?
1: This is an acute. This is for an acute mm-hmm. illness. Okay, and because I was extremely ill, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't even take care of my kids. My wife was having to bring them to daycare and everything because I couldn't function. And basically, you, you know, and it was it's banned in and out of competition, which it was that the whole it was it's now permitted. Uh, largely due to the paperwork that we submitted showing it's not as prohibited as, uh, you know, they make it out to be. Um, and because basically it's sister drug, which is twice a day versus once a day uh, is permitted. Uh. And that's what, that's what basically on November 8th, they came back to me and said, you should be taking this one that's twice a day and not this one that's once a day when it's almost everything. And it's exactly the same. And they're even made by the same drug company.
0: And you're saying they didn't tell you that until a month later. And at that point, you'd already taken the drug, right? is, is basically the problem I've been here. Taking right. it for
1: 20, I've been taking it for 26 days or okay. so.
0: So how does that process work? Like who, once you submit the forms, who reads them, who looks at them? Do they call you and ask you questions? How does it go?
1: No, no. I mean, um, there is absolutely no communication between USADA and the athletes. Uh, I called multiple times to check in on it uh and uh you know i mean in other countries i've heard mm-hmm. that if you don't hear within t- so you 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 will hear within 24 48 hours for an acute tue at the most 3 days
0: oh, really? uh
1: and you know you you saw i mean i don't know if it's standard practice for them to violate the water rule book but uh you know i mean it you saw uh was outside of what the water rule book deems a uh, reasonable period of time
0: and who makes i mean obviously i was gonna say you're not an expert but at this point you're kind of an expert in the in the process who makes that decision once it like goes to a committee right and they like evaluate your paperwork is that how it works
1: uh allegedly okay Uh, i don't know exactly the process uh i mean we get told what the process is but uh you know i mean I, I can't speak to exactly what the process is. I was told what the process should be and it was not followed. So I can't speak to it.
0: I told you that I actually have gone through this before because I, after a race ended up in med tent, they stuck an IV in my arm and IVs are banned over a certain. And I got, I was like, oh shit, right? Cause you in an emergency situation, the doctor does whatever it needs to do. And then you have to apply for the TUE and I applied for it. And I actually got on the, someone called me the next like two days later and asked me all these questions. And then basically it was like, you're, we don't care about you. Right. Like they were like, you're not good enough. No one cares. Like was more or less the just So it's, it's crazy to me that no one called you. Like I can't. Yeah.
1: No, nobody called me. I had to reach out to them.
0: Yeah. That's weird.
1: And I reached out to them after, I reached out to them after 10 days and I hadn't heard anything.
0: Really? Huh. So in all this time, obviously you were still sick and you, of course you weren't racing, you were sick, but then you got better enough that you went ahead and raced Ironman Florida, but you still hadn't gotten the TUE in hand yet. So technically then you're racing Ironman Florida on a banned substance and you don't have the exemption. I know our people who are in the weeds on, on drug stuff want to know why did you go ahead and raise it? Why didn't you wait? Why didn't you skip that one? Why, you know, wait until it was all cleared up.
1: Uh, how many times? And I mean, you're 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 in the you're in the know, being in journalism. How many times have you heard of an athlete skipping a race because they're waiting on a therapeutic use exemption?
0: I'm thinking about. It. I feel like it may be in track. Like it happens sometimes in track because they do sketchy stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah. So if you see, so I mean, see, so I mean, is it common practice? Would you say that?
0: No. Athletes,
1: no, no. 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 I mean. We, we, we race, what, 10 times a year?
0: Something
1: like that. And if you're healthy enough to get on the start line, I mean, I, 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 you're going to race. Mm-hmm. At least I'm, you know, and I mean, why why did I not, why did I race is because uh, I very much felt that I met the water, water, water guidelines in the water rule book. I mean, the athlete's health comes first. Uh, I filled out the proper paperwork for a therapeutic use exemption. And, uh, it was, you know, I mean, it, it, I had been beyond, I mean, the, in the ISTE guidelines or ISTE standards, it says that the, uh, governing body must, uh, must get back to you prior to an event. And, oh, really? None of that happened. Huh. So, um, you know, it, so yeah, it, did I, I went on the assumption that it was going to get approved because, an athlete's health comes first and you know i'm listening i'm under a doctor's orders and uh you know i yeah you know, i feel like i'm defending i'm feeling like i'm defending myself for <laughs> taking care of my health right and that's that's it, kind of just disturbing yeah
0: when you say uh, athlete health is first i mean that's you're quoting that out of the rule book it says something like an athlete yeah. should not not take necessary no, medication.
1: It's, yeah. it's, it's written all over every single mm-hmm. God, It's written over. It's written on every single anti-doping guideline that the, the athlete's health should never be put in jeopardy. Right. And had I not started this course of inhaler and, uh, you know, this inhale, inhaler and uh, medicines right away, I mean, I would have been putting my health in jeopardy.
0: So when you raced Ironman Florida you told them you were on this right like you you put it on your yeah. like forum oh, and, yeah. and it's, it's
1: claimed on the Tue form yep
0: and so then when you tested positive uh because they what you it was a random testing after it, right? when you tested positive and they told you were you like no no shit like
1: i told you guys correct <laughs> okay correct i was i was like hey yeah tell me something i don't
0: know got it so at what point did you realize or did they tell you you know this is going to be a ban
1: so when when the rejection came back from USADA, uh, basically they had one or two reasons they rejected it for. And the way the TUE works is, is if you can satisfy the one or two things that they say was wrong with the doctor's decision or this or that, that you know you can that they will uh, go ahead and approve it. So it's not like a they reject the TUE and it's done, you know, that your doctor basically gets a rebuttal.
0: Okay. And
1: so we filled that out and we actually satisfied what they were looking for. But then they found out something, um, you know, that, Oh, well, okay. Yes. But you know what? We don't like this and we don't like this. And basically every single time that, um, every single time that the doctor came back with information, uh, For USADA, they basically just said, you know, well, something else or something else. I mean, and it was never the same thing. It's not like there was one point they were hammering home that was Hmm. the issue. Like this is performance enhancing. This is performance enhancing. I mean, in fact, WADA actually deemed that this is not performance enhancing. WADA did, but not USADA. WADA. Well, USADA was never clear on it. Okay uh but wada very clearly in a statement said that it was not performance enhancing so uh yeah so i got i got banned for i got banned and suspended or whatever you want to call it for using a non-performance enhancing substance
0: and initially that was four years right like i mean so initially iron man notifies you of your te- yeah
1: iron man uh, iron man uh basically came out of the gate that you know hey this is four years and um, you know, it's, there's, if you, you can go on, on my blog mm-hmm. or you can go on, you saw website and look at all the bands for Volantorol, uh, which is, you know, in this Brio inhaler. And I mean, all of them are, uh, zero to z- zero, meaning just a warning without right. a loss of result, uh, to a maximum of six months. So when Iron Man came out and basically said that we, we're suspending you for four years. I called up Kate Middlestat, who's the head of anti-doping, and I said, okay, well, you know, it's very, you know, in the WADA guidelines, it's very important to have harmonization across all suspensions. So why, why, when you yourself have said that, you know, it's in fr- all these fractions need to be made harmonic, and the other suspensions are zero to six months, do you saying me four years? She says, well, it's not negotiable.
0: Is there argument that it was knowingly and that the other people, it was unknowingly? I, I think that was their argument, right? Or I actually don't know. I mean,
1: I mean I, it could be, but right. I mean, if we go back to uh, in the similar uh, case, you know, and we're looking at just for triathlon since we know triathlon, mm-hmm. uh, when Lisa Roberts tested positive for Brio, uh, I mean, she's a lifetime uh, asthmatic. So mm-hmm. you're telling me that a lifetime asthmatic didn't know an inhaler was on the ban list? I find that hard to believe.
0: And she got like three or six months or something like that, right?
1: Three months. No, she got a. I think she had a warning uh-huh. without even a loss of result.
0: Part of what was interesting to me about your announcement, like at the very end of 2020, was... Since nothing, since we had no races in 2020, I don't think anyone noticed that you weren't right. Usually, when someone's fighting a doping, like there's all this stuff, like they can't talk about it, but they just sort of like disappear from races, right, for six months, eight months, while they're going through all this legal process. But because there were no races, like I didn't notice that you weren't racing, right? Like I, it's all you almost like don't notice. And so you, in that time, though, you were going through so much. Like there was like a, a an appeal, and then another appeal, and how involved is that it how many steps are there I mean there's a lot of steps right
1: oh yeah it's a it's a it's a ridiculous process that needs to be changed and it needs to be a heck of a lot more straightforward um that's that's about all I can say about it
0: I mean you ended up I don't remember what the amount of money was but you ended up spending like a lot of money over multiple months to like fight the appeal right yeah I mean it's close to
1: seventy thousand dollars I mean, it, it's, more than, it's more than most athletes make in their career. I
0: was going to say, did you make $70,000 a year before? <laughs> yeah.
1: And the whole reason that I stopped is because, I mean, I, I could have kept going because, and, and, and pretty much I would have, you know, there's, if there's proof in the pudding, there's proof in the arbitration, uh, people's testimony from the arbitration, that there's foul play within Ironman and USADA. And I mean, if I chose to fight and fight and fight, I mean, I could have spent another seventy or a hundred thousand dollars and come out and come out on the clean end, you know at some point you got to walk away because the biggest pockets always win in these lawsuits.
0: What do you mean foul play
1: i mean you you can go and read my blog yeah. and I lay it out very clearly uh, in which uh apparently uh Kate Middlestat says that you that basically she knew. That I had an unimproved that my that my TUE was going to be denied uh, before I did. She knew before Ironman Florida that my TUE was going to be denied, and I have it all. Written, it, I mean, I have it all printed out in the testimony. Um, so I mean, it's undoctored testimony. So it's it you know there's nothing that I can change or you know I mean she clearly states it.
0: You've been posting, I mean, you keep mentioning your blog. You've been post. Census was announced in like November. Or whatever. You've been posting lots of bits on your blog to kind of go into some of these details. Um, I noticed you stopped though in December. Did you lo- like lose interest, lose steam, like not want to talk about it anymore, get over it?
1: No, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of more information that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that uh, when the World Triathlon Organization, formerly the ITU, USAT, the PTO and a couple other uh, governing bodies started investigating uh, them they advised me to uh, to hold my post until after the investigation is done.
0: Well uh, so there, so there's currently what is, what does that mean that there's an investigation currently going on?
1: Uh, basically uh, they're, they're they're investigating Iron Man uh, because Iron Man has to Basically, they have to abide by the WADA guidelines. And Iron Man, in my case, did not do that. And in other cases, there are other rules that they uh, are not following uh, within the WADA guidelines. So um, they're under investigation for basically not following WADA guidelines and making their own rules.
0: Hmm. I didn't know that was like a thing. that Has that ever happened before? Like an investigation into someone not following WADA guidelines or an organization?
1: I can't speak to that.
0: Uh, and ultimately though ultimately obviously like you said you, the the appeal stopped the announcement was made you event uh, in the end you sir- it was a retroactive 3 months or 6 months
1: I don't remember 13 months
0: 13 months
1: 13 months which is okay uh, more than twice as long as any other athlete has ever served for the draw. Which is now off the ban list.
0: Right. I was gonna say it also is no longer on the ban list. Do you feel like lucky though that those thirteen months happened over twenty twenty, so you didn't miss much, or are you still kind of like does that help at
1: all or not? You know, I don't know. I really haven't thought about it that right. way. I just uh you know, it it was it's it's one of those uh I don't even know how to describe it. It was a it was just a whole ridiculous nightmare of a roller coaster. Mm-hmm
0: are you back to race? I mean, I know you did Miami. I know like you've been working with some, are you back to racing across the board? Are you not doing, are you only doing challenge events now?
1: I mean, I'm going to race. I mean, I was planning on racing Ironman races up until uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, I just, the whole, the way that Ironman Texas was just canceled, Mm. it made me remove all Ironmans from my uh, calendar this year. Really. I mean, Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people looked at, you know, why did Ironman Texas get canceled? Everybody assumes COVID. When you look into it, Ironman Texas was canceled because they couldn't get one permit in a race in a county. The race isn't even in.
0: Yeah, I knew it was one specific county that was but I thought it was one specific county that wasn't allowing them because of COVID.
1: Correct. Yeah. Well, they weren't they weren't allowing them to perform a, an event in the county, but the race isn't even in that county.
0: So then, why do they have say over it?
1: And back in twenty sixteen, uh, they had a similar issue with a different county uh, in Ironman Texas, and they rerouted and kept the whole entire bike course in a single county, hmm. and they were able to do it then. And now it's just oh, we'll just postpone it, delay it. So I mean, this is I'm trying to make a living out of this, right? And for for you know if they're not going to take this serious as i am for a living uh I, I i can't build a race calendar around you know somebody who doesn't want to try to put on events
0: so uh can you make a living on uh challenge races exterior races independent races i think you can for sure
1: i mean uh, i i think you know i mean at this point in time I, i'm very much I, I very much feel that this is very reminiscent of uh, you know, the two maybe I'd say two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight with the the with the Lifetime series and mm. you kinda get that uh we're we're too big to fail uh mentality and then you know other then you fail. And I very much feel that uh the actions recently with Iron with with regards to Iron Man Texas here have not even uh, trying to change the course or provide other opportunities for athletes uh, and just wholesale canceling the race. I think that's, uh, you know, th- I think that sends a huge statement. Never before the last year would that have ever been acceptable.
0: No, obviously, but pre COVID, that would people would not have tolerated
1: that. And now, you know, it's just like just because the COVID happened, now that it's, it's acceptable.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm still thinking about if you can make a living on all the smaller prize purses. So how, I mean, maybe, but I assume you've always been like pretty outspoken about things and you've said, you know, I have to race for a paycheck and I race a lot and this is my living. How were you able to make a living last year?
1: I mean, I pulled my kids out of daycare and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. just basically tried to eliminate costs in my life. And, uh, you know, my span, my, you know, even through this whole process, I think, uh, I mean, my sponsors stood by me through this whole process and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it's, I think that's one of the things and a lesson to the younger pros is, is a loyalty to companies. I mean, I've had the same sponsors for a decade and uh, you know, they're as much family as they are a sponsor. And, and you know, even in hard times, whether it's, you know, them having, you know, them not being the best or me not being the best uh, we've always stood by each other. And I think that, that very much has gone a long way in my career. Are
0: there other things uh that you've told pros? Uh, you said that a lot of pros have reached out to you after all this happened. Is there other like advice you've given them?
1: I mean, it's been amazing just talking to a lot of the other professionals and even a lot of people in the media. Uh, you know, I especially going to Miami. I mean, there are a few pros that reached out to me right away after this happened, and I, I mean, actually more than a few. I'd say it was probably closer to twenty-five or thirty. Hmm. Uh, you know, and who basically stood. You know, he said they either they've gone through the process and didn't get tested or they they know me and that they know I would not do something to to cheat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I talk way too much to do something stupid <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, and that, that means that meant a lot offhand uh, uh, immediately. And then, you know, to go to go to the race, uh, to go to the race at uh, you know, or challenge. Miami, and then you know, you know, you have to confront your peers, and you know, I mean, all of them, not all of them, have come up, but most of them came up, and you know, we're happy, you know, it's great to see you here, you know, and you know that was, you know, that was BS, you know, last year, and yeah, and yeah, a couple of them brought up the whole thing that you brought up with the whole it being a COVID year, you know, I'm sure Iron Man, you know, enjoyed spending a hundred thousand dollars to incarcerate you and they didn't even have and you didn't even miss a race of theirs. So, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered that, uh, you know, that a lot of the age groupers and a lot of the pros, uh, see through the, see through what went on and, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have that type of support.
0: I asked you for a second about, I mean, you've had a lot of, this is not like the first insane thing that's happened. You've had like worse things happen. You, and I feel like we, yeah. um, I just want to, I'm going to like list some of them for a second and then ask you a question. So in like 2012, you did that race in Abu Dhabi and you were thrown in prison because you hit a like a crash. You hit a volunteer in a aid station um, and you put in prison. And then what was it? 2016, you got run over by a truck. Uh, And then coming out of that, your son was in the ICU. Um, And does it ever start to feel like there's just one thing like it's just like what is going on? Like you should just quit the sport like it's just out to get you
1: yeah i mean I think my my parents feel that way for sure uh yeah i mean I don't know if it was easy, everybody would do it right i don't know my i guess you know through my whole entire life i've just always you know said you got to be resilient and mm-hmm. uh and life definitely has taught me resilience and i always i mean one of the one of the quotes that i i heard very early and i think it was I don't remember who I heard it from, but if you want to hear God laugh, you tell him your plan. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's been, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, I come up with a plan and it gets changed, you know, just like, you know, this year I had, I thought I had a pretty good race calendar. And then, you know, I kind of, you know, see what happens with Ironman canceling Texas. And now I'm completely changed my calendar, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, the hardest one of all of them and probably the one that very much shaped my actions around this whole WADA and guidelines thing is, is my son's health. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, my son has epilepsy and I mean, he spent a lot of time in the ICU and it's like, if a doctor's basically came up to me and said, you know, here's the best, here's the best care for your son, but your insurance doesn't cover it. So you know, we're going to use like the second or third or fourth best and that's covered by your insurance. I'm going to be like, no, you give them the best and I'll pay for it. And so, you know, and that's basically what, I mean, and I, you know, I'm looking back at this whole process. That's basically what I did with my, with my health because I mean, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do anything different for my family or my son. And so why should I do something different for myself? So I, I think you're definitely right that, you know, going through all these things definitely, uh, you know this this whole WADA thing. Uh, I've said many times that I'm glad it happened to me, and not another athlete. Because another athlete, you know, we'd be worried about them killing themselves. And me, it's just like, oh man, I'm healthy, and there's nothing. I mean, everybody's healthy in my family, and I mean, I'm not recovering and in, in, in a hospital or any or any of that. I mean, let's let's keep going. So, are
0: you gonna keep? I mean, I assume you uh, have a few more years of triathlon left, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, after this, after this last year and a half in this reprieve mm-hmm. that we all kind of got with COVID, I, I you know, it, it's like rejuvenated me. Yeah. It's rejuvenated my love for the sport. Um, it definitely made me look back and at some of the things that I, I loved about that I've loved about the sport. And I mean, when I got into the sport in the early two thousands, I mean, I had there were two athletes that. I mean, there were a lot of athletes that I looked up to, but there were two athletes that, uh, you know, I thought were true badasses. And that's kind of why I'm doing Xterra this year after this whole thing is because, you know, I mean, I thought, you know, Conrad Stoltz and Melanie McQuaid, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in the early 2000s, they were just absolute unbeatable badasses of triathlon off road. And, you know, that's something that I've always had my eye on, but I've never actually pulled the trigger at doing so. You know, now after, the, you know, a year off of, uh, basically every, everybody had, had a year off there and Xterra is coming back. Adventure racing is coming back. I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get my hand in this because I think, uh, I think adventure racing and Xterra is going to make a good run. I think swim run is going to make a good run here in the next few years with, uh, with regards to, uh, attendance.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Con- the craziest story I ever heard about Connor Stoltz is he dug himself like his own pool in his backyard, like a ditch so that he could swim. That just sounded so classic.
1: Yeah. 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 He's caveman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, I, I, I just, yeah, I think it's an awesome, I think it's an awesome time and an awesome opportunity to get into it. And uh, I'm also, you know, I think, I think that there's going to be, I think that the, the pendulum's swinging from uh, everybody doing, you know, striving to do the Ironman events. To, I think, uh, a lot of the grassroots race directors are going to really have an opportunity, uh, with all the people that started to get into shape mm-hmm. while during the COVID shutdown, and it, uh, maybe we can get them into, uh, a triathlon.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's my theory. So I, th-
1: I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, startup opportunities for, you know, new race directors and small races and getting athletes into the sport. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think there's, there's there's good future and good growth coming.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's my theory for sure that we're going to see a lot of beginners, a lot of new people this year. Let's hope.
1: Yeah. And, but I also think, I also think that, you know, I mean, one, one thing that the last year has shown us is, is I mean, we're all dealing with different levels of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just out on the course, but like in life. Uh, and a lot of people, some people are comfortable with walking around with no mask on and others, uh, Feel that they should have a, a cloth mask and n 95 and a face shield and you know to each to each person that uh, you got to do what you're comfortable with and i, I think the thing in trust when with the comeback of trust it's going to be no different i think uh you know i think we're going to see the comeback of duathlon i think we're going to see uh, a lot of the shorter events coming back uh because right now i think that's kind of missing in the sport but i think uh with this renaissance of triathlon with people getting back into shape i think you're going to need to have those shorter distance races in order to uh to entice people to do it
0: yeah and i could see that and uh i was just thinking you uh i always think of you as a texas athlete but you actually are in like the suburbs of chicago which we don't usually think of as a triathlon hotspot. how do you train in the suburbs of chicago
1: What do you mean? I get out of my bike and I ride. I I... grew up
0: out there. There's not like, it's a lot of traffic. It's a lot of cars and not like amazing bike routes and stuff. Maybe, maybe it is. And I just missed it all.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have an awesome, I mean, I live, I live uh, about 45 minutes north of Chicago, which I mean, most people think that that must be like way out in the middle (laughs) of nowhere, but you're still very much in the Chicago suburbs. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can get, in about 10 to 12 miles, I get out into some good riding roads. Um, and then, I mean, we have a great network of gravel, uh, great network of gravel trails. And, uh, you know, right now I'm learning, uh, where the uh, mountain biking hotspots are. So, um, it's, uh, I mean, I've never had a problem training here. I've never ever thought that this isn't the, isn't a great place to train. Um, awesome. yeah. you know, I mean, once I get, once I get about 20 or 30 minutes on the bike, why, I mean, I can, I can lay down 20 and 30 minute efforts. There's a few roads there without, with, you know, very limited traffic and that, you know, I can roll, uh, roll, real well. And so, um, you so, get 20 or 30 minute efforts without a break and that's yeah. about all you need.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds better than a, here in Boulder, everything gets broken up. You can't do 20-minute efforts. So maybe Chicago is the next hotspot. There you go.
1: I, hey, I mean, you look at Ben Canute was from here. Yeah. Uh, you're from here. I mean, <laughs> come on. We're, we're building we're building a mecca. I think there's, there's a couple other uh, guys that, uh, you know, from this area. So, uh, you know, I mean, we definitely have – I mean, the Midwest definitely has always generated uh, a lot of great athletes. And I think it's the the winners, so, Right. You know, no, nothing, nothing's better than a Chicago winner.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. One last question for you then before you go is, so it sounds like, I mean, obviously you just changed your whole race schedule, but where should we look for you? Like what's next? What should we keep our eye out for?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm doing Estera next month. So I'm super excited about that. And then uh, in the month of June, I'm going to race somewhere. I haven't figured out exactly mm-hmm. where yet, but I mean, I'm going to spend, uh, my kids start summer camp June 14th. So, uh, I got the summer to train hard and, uh, I'm going to train very hard for the Collins cup or the championship at the end of the summer here. And then, uh, the next weekend is Roth. The next weekend's ITU long distance world championships. There, there's a whole clump of races there with a lot of opportunity. I don't know which ones I'm exactly going right. to do or be in, but uh, you know you look at that three weeks in Europe, I'm planning a European vacation at the end of the summer <laughs> and uh, I'm excited about that. And then from there, um, I'm hoping that Estera does well for me next month and I can uh, end up in Maui okay. uh, in October and then I'll probably finish up my season for sure with a Challenge Daytona.
0: Yeah, i always I always wanna I always like share challenge Daytona. You were there that first year and the whole thing with going around the racetrack, that was because we were like stormed out all day and stuck in this room and you like get up got up and like argued for why we should just do laps around the racetrack. Like you like created that format, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean quite yeah, I mean you were there. Yeah. Uh race management there. And I mean this is a perfect this is the perfect example of exactly, you know, like I like we were just talking about why I changed my schedule is, is we need to have management that wants to put on races and our race got postponed. So the age groupers to do as much of a race that they could get before the storm came. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, the pros we're going to have a race. We just don't know when and what the format's going to be today, but we're going to get the age groupers in. And they did. And they got the age groupers with a modified race in, in the morning before the, storm hit and it God, that was a storm yeah uh i mean literally there was <laughs> i think we i think we might have gotten two or three inches of rain yeah it's one of those intense in like florida yeah four hours yeah i mean but it was like wave after wave and then you know race management was coming up with different opportunities as the day went on of how we were going to race and uh, i was talking with Cam worth in the back of the room and uh basically what it came down to was him saying, "Well, I think that's a great idea, but nobody's going to agree to it." <laughs> and it was like kind of like, "Hold my beer. Cam, here's how it's done." And you know, I went up to the front right after uh the race director and DB talk gave a talk of, you know, here's what I think we should do and and everybody was kind of stewing about it and then I walked up to the front and was like, "Well, okay, here's what here's what we here's what I think we should do and and I was expecting everybody to be like, Andrew, you're out of your mind, but everybody kind of agreed. Yeah. I mean, there were a few, there were a few questions and, you know, we negotiated kind of what the distance was going to be, but uh, everybody agreed. And I don't know if, I, I don't know if that, there was ever a time where you could have gotten 40 some professional triathletes in a room that they could have agreed on anything.
0: No, I've never seen uh, like a pro like go up to the front of the room to like propose an alternative race and then like get everyone out, like demand a vote. Like it was very fun. I've never seen that happen before. It was very. And now that's like what they're that now that's that's their thing. Like that's what they're doing at like all of their new challenge North America
1: races. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was it was a very. Uh, you know, that I think I think we could all we could all say, if, you know, I hope challenges North America continues to have this success that they've had. And I think uh, what they've done so far is kind of proving that uh, their success is going to continue. But uh, I mean, that could be the day that uh, we change triathlon.
0: Um, well, thank you so much for talking to us about everything and getting into all the details. And uh, and I'm sure people have more questions for you. I'm sure this like isn't going to go away, but they can always go to your blog, right?
1: I mean you can reach out to me on social media I mean I'm I'm decent at keeping up with <laughs> my direct messages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh and then uh yeah feel free to come out to one of my training camps uh that those are always fun and uh you know we get a lot of a, a lot of a lot of great training in and a lot of good stories uh there so uh yeah look forward to uh look forward to uh, getting some feedback of, and answering some questions because i mean it seems like every time i do a podcast now i get more and more questions <laughs> but uh, we, hey we barely scratched the surface on this one so yeah, well, uh,
0: well i guess all right then what is the what is the question you're going to get what is the biggest question that people ask you
1: you know I, I mean up to this point the biggest question's always been but why did you race and right i'm like you know i mean basically why i mean if if I followed the process, why wouldn't I race? yeah I, well, why did you race and then the other question I get is is, are you still taking it? And I'm like, no, I needed to take it, and I'm not a person that believes in taking stuff that you don't absolutely need and i mean i'm I'm basically uh a bread and water type guy i mean i'm not not somebody who's pushing the limits chemically in any sort of the in any sort of the meaning i'm not'm a guy that uh you know, I live on my chocolate and my uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Got it.
0: Well, well, thank you so much for chatting with us and, and good luck with everything.
1: Yep. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you at the races. Yeah. Where will we see you next? St. George, like everyone. Okay. Yeah. Well, minus one. <laughs>
0: As promised, we did also reach out to Ironman for their response to the allegations, and they wanted to note that the TUE application was handled by the U.S. Anti-Doping Authority, not by Ironman, and that Ironman applied all rules per the World Anti-Doping Code. They also were not aware of any investigations being conducted by USA Triathlon, U.S. Anti-Doping, or the World Anti-Doping Agencies. They also said they were not aware of the rejection of the TUE until after the positive test and review. Ironman also noted that Ironman Texas was canceled because of a last minute increase in the COVID level in Harris County and that they have been able to host other events in the state since then. We'll include more information and links about all of this in our show notes if you want to look into it more. But I want to thank Starkey for the conversation and for all the transparency. Good luck at Xterra. And I want to thank all of you for sticking with us. Keep listening and keep training.